Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. of the playoffs. There's nothing like short track uh, night racing. This place is electric. Racing at Richmond. You love to go to racetracks where you gotta work the throttle, where you gotta be a driver. This is one of those racetracks. Oh, and the 88 goes around in the middle of three and four. Big issues happening. The 10, too fast exiting for the lead. Martin Trex Jr. takes it away from Brad Keselowski. The leader spun out. Martin Trex Jr. spins in turn four, smoke all around for the lead. Martin Trex Jr. You know Kyle Busch is not happy with his teammate passing for the lead. Oh, the cross under gets to the back there. Back-to-back -back wins for Martin Trex Jr. That's how it went down on Saturday night. Welcome to NASCAR America. Steve Letarte, A.J. Armendinger, Dale Jarrett. Another playoff race, another win by Martin Truex Jr. I'm not sure uh, what to say other than it was impressive, but the race, I mean, it was short track racing. We had everything, but in the end, and you called it. I listened to you in the pre-race, and you said Gibbs, Gibbs, and Gibbs. I'm not sure you had the order exactly right, but uh, you had the team. Yeah, I didn't have that, but and me and about 100 million others figured out <laughs> it'd be Joe Gibbs racing night. But uh, it, they were impressive. Uh, I'll have to say that Brad Keselowski surprised me that, that he could stay up there and lead as much as he did. But at, once they got some laps on their tires, uh, the Joe Gibbs cars were just the best, and, and those drivers did a good job. And... You know, you have to give it to Martin Truex Jr. and Cole Pern. It, you know, they did it when they were out west. They came back east, and everybody thought, well, they're going to give up all their secrets. But uh, I think they kept a little something ready for the playoffs as they're two for two. Well, the open-wheel guy, the spin and win. You've seen this before. What yeah. was it, Danny Sullivan <laughs> in the Indy 500? Martin Truex Jr. at Richmond. What did you think about the spin and win out of Truex? Well, I mean, it just uh, it shows that he's fortunate to not yep. hit anything or, or yep. get hit by somebody else besides Stenhouse Jr. there. But... Uh, just shows how much confidence they have. And, you know, this year they, they've won in stages. It's like they didn't win for a while when, yeah. when Martin Truex Jr. and Cole Pern went over there to, to Joe Gibbs Racing. And then it's like they got hot. Then it's like right before the playoffs, quiet down a little bit. I mean, they weren't terrible, but it's almost like they held something in their back pocket and said, okay, yeah. it's go time. And we just see Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss do that all the time. Yeah. And it seems like Cole Pern and Martin Truex Jr. and that whole 19 team have went out there and said, all right, we're putting the best of everything that we have in these race cars every weekend. And right now it's scary for the rest of the competition, especially his teammates, because I saw Kyle Busch after that race and that interview <laughs> that you guys did. And, and, I mean, not that Kyle Busch is ever happy finish or running second, yeah, right but it, it was not more of an unhappy look. It was a more confused look like, 
how are we going to beat these guys? Yeah, right. How did that just happen? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, you, you know you've got a pretty good car and a really good car and everything's going well when you spin out and you only lose two spots. That's pretty good and your yeah. teammates are running good. But but they, they did. They did everything right and, uh, you know, so far so good. And I, what really registers with me is, and I think we haven't had time, we haven't been deep enough in the playoffs to discuss this yet, but those playoff points that can be earned in the regular season can also be earned in the playoffs. So these yeah. two wins for Truex – is filling that bucket. So while we know it guarantees him a spot in the round of 12, what the other thing it does that makes the round of 12 a little easier, makes the round of eight a little easier, I'm not guaranteeing him out of either of those rounds, but these wins do have a lasting effect past this first round. That's really what I took about from Richmond, is they won a week ago, and they're through. They're in. So you question, are they going to start looking ahead, working on equipment for the next round? What I saw is that, much like you just said, they're out for blood. They, yeah. they know that momentum's real. Um, you said it. They've been a little streaky all year long. And I do believe, um, listen, I was beat by Jimmy Johnson most of my career in the same equipment that I had to race within. It stings. You know, if, if Dale Jarrett beat us back when we raced against him, well, maybe the Ford had a little more power or maybe, maybe they had a little better setup. When your own teammate beats you, you know what they have. So I do think Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, they're going to have to uh, – yeah, you know, take that into consideration. You take the points aside, which is a great, you know, great thing to have. You keep building that up, and you're just really giving yourself wiggle room every time you go into the next stage. But it's all about confidence, your own confidence, and hurting everybody else's confidence around you. And that was just the biggest thing I saw. That look on Kyle Busch's face, like when asked, "Okay, where was he better?" or what, and it was didn't really have an answer yeah. and didn't know. And it's like, okay, well, they're going to the Roval. I mean, Martin Shurex, he's okay good. at the road courses. We saw last year, not bad at the Roval either. Yeah. So it, we could see three in a row. So they're just spot on right now. And you go to the next round where there's a racetrack in there called Talladega. You want all the wiggle room possible because yeah. you never know what can happen there. And uh, it just, he has no weakness. Cole Pern has no weakness, that 19 team. So any type of racetrack they go to, they're strong. Well, and... Gibbs really dominated, but it wasn't great for all the Gibbs drivers while Eric Jones had a good run. If you look at the left, Martrex Jr., two wins and he's in. Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch are also in yellow, even without a win in the playoffs because they have enough points. They're through. The Roval doesn't mathematically matter for them. You look, Brad, Denny, everybody ahead. The guy on the bottom right, Eric Jones. Where should we even start, right? He came into Richmond 26 points behind after Las Vegas. I said he had to win. He gets in the media and says, no, I don't. I can make it up in points. I was wrong. He was right. He ran well, gained enough points. But then after the race, we find out from NASCAR he had a problem in post-race inspection. Here's what the director, Jay Fabian, had to say. Yeah, so the 20 standard procedure um, post-race in the playoffs that we run every car through the OSS. Um, and then we do a post-race inspection on first, second, and then generally a random, uh, the 20 car failed the OSS on their run through on a standard post-race inspection. We've set the standard early in the year and what we expect, and the teams have done a good job reacting to that. Um, I think, obviously, as the pressure mounts and the years go, uh, the, the season goes on, it, it doesn't surprise me to see them pushing a little farther and trying to get a little more out of their stuff. And, and like I say, sometimes you just cross that line a little bit, and that's all you need to to, to fail. So I appreciate Jay Fabian, uh, director of the Cup Series, coming out and explain a couple things in there I think we should clean up. So he references the OSS. That's basically just the scanning station. It measures the body, the wheel, the location, the toe, the camera, all kinds of stuff. The simple fact is 
they failed it. What the fans need to know is before the race, there's one set of tolerances. After, they open up. They know stuff is going to shift. Obviously, this has shifted too much. The other footnote, all 16 playoff yes. guys went through it. I think that's yes. worth the fans to hear, yeah. right? The other He wasn't just picked, right? We didn't yeah. just pick on one of the Gibbs cars. 16 went through, 15 passed. One failed. DJ, the simple fact is 42 points Yeah, what it cost Eric Jones. Yeah, he had a great night, did everything, uh, got stage points in both the first two stages, ran really, really well. He didn't have the, the takeoff speed that his teammates had, but, man, once he got 15, 20 laps on his tires, that car was just steady all night. I, I saw him make some really good passes through the night and did everything that you want to do. Here's the unfortunate side. So we're talking about Eric Jones. Everything goes, you know, he's disqualified. He gets last place position. And he did nothing wrong as a driver. But that's what is out there. You 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 work well as a team. You win as a team. And you fail as a team when these things happen. And, you know, I think as a driver, AJ, I always appreciated my crew and my crew chief pushing the limit as much as we possibly could. But it still hurts so much when it's your name that's out there uh, whenever things don't go right. But this is the way NASCAR set it up this year. You know, if you, if you fail, then you're going to the back. And, and it, unfortunately, it's cost Eric Jones. Must win situation now. Unfortunately, I uh, I know what that feels like a couple, a couple times <laughs> I wasn't this year. Bring it up. Yeah, I'm you just saying. Bring it up. Just a couple times this year, I know what that feels like. And you're right. It it because as a driver, you just feel like okay. I felt like I did everything, and and it has nothing to do with me. But your name gets dragged through the papers, social media, to a certain degree. Like oh, you know, that's why he's running. You know, he's cheating. Yeah. Well, no, it, it's but you win in the lo and lose as a race team. Just the same difference as Eric Jones battling for the win at Bristol. Matt Benedetto gets around him. He gets into the wall. Yeah. You know, he made the mistake. So you have to win and lose as a race team. As long as everybody in that organization has each other's backs, then you have to accept what happens. The way you do that is you spin it positive going to the Roval. Points don't matter now. Yeah. Yeah. Now he can't race his way in on points. So there's one way he's going to make it to the next round, and that's go win the race. That's all they have to focus on. They don't have to worry about where William Byron's running, where Eric Amarola's running, where Alex Bowman's running. They have to go out there, focus on themselves, and take whatever, whether it's strategy, trying to stay up front, you know, do something different if you don't have the fastest car. And, and we've seen over the last couple of years, Eric Jones has become a better road course driver. Is he going to be the favorite going to the Roval? Definitely not. But he's got a fast race car with a great organization, and he's good enough that if they get up front, he can go win that race. Yeah, selfishly, when I was listening to this, going back to the hotel the other night, they, it was kind of uncovering on, on the NASCAR a radio channel on Sirius, and, and so I was hearing everything, and selfishly, I was like, oh, man, because looking at that, the points down through there with, you know, Kirk Bush was going to be the furthest one out, I think, at 14 points there, and but you had so many. You were going to have eight drivers that we're going to be battling for these positions. And that was just going to be so fun for y'all to cover and us to watch uh, throughout that race at the Roval. It's still going to be very intriguing because there's, you know, we're just talking about one driver that it takes out, but it opens him up to, you know, hey, whatever possibilities are there, every road racing skill that you have. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun for you to call when you restarts third with two to go. That's well, what it's going to be fun to call. Yeah, I, I feel bad for the front row because if I was Eric Jones, you wouldn't make turn one. Um, you know what really bothers me, or not doesn't bother me, it makes me feel bad for Eric Jones, isn't as much the penalty as, remember, it was a mechanical issue in Las yeah. Vegas, too. So, yeah. gets in the playoffs nice. and then has two issues. Yeah. As the crew chief, I'm just gutted, right, mm -hmm. that, that, that I haven't given my driver the opportunity to show the world his best. I always thought my job as a crew chief 
was to deliver a product to my race car driver. It's just sports about the drivers. It should be those stars. My job is to give those stars a chance to perform. Maybe Eric Jones can have one of the biggest walk-offs we've ever seen. If he can yeah. win at the Rover right here after two disappointing weeks, yeah. it would be big. Um, so a bad night for Eric Jones on the flip side. Okay, I was wrong. I had the six of Ryan Newman not having a chance in the playoffs. And you talk about holding something back. I'm not sure what Rush Fenway held back. But, DJ, they showed up in practice in Vegas. Not quite as good in the race as yeah. I thought they were going to be. Tenth. Solid. Let me come to Richmond. I expect him to run outside of the top ten. He runs inside the top ten most of the night. Scores some stage points, which has been the Achilles heel of this yes. team. Yeah. And now it's plus 14. Can Ryan Newman in the sixth car move through at the roll? Absolutely, they can. They, they have the driver to get it done, uh, first and foremost. But the biggest thing is the speed that you're talking about. Yeah, I've been giving Ryan Newman all of this credit, yeah. and I think he deserved that in the regular season because he wheeled his way through that with his driving talents and the ability he has in the latter stages of a race to get every position that he possibly can. I'll give Roush Fenway some credit here. Now, the last two weeks, they have brought him some race cars that he could compete with, literally. I mean, he was at one point trying to drive into second spot. I think it was, I don't remember if it was Truex or Kyle Busch that he was trying to pass for that second spot. But he was right there trying to get that. He ran in the top five most of the night. Very impressive. And, and I think now that there's nobody better at knowing the situation and knowing what they have to do. And I believe Ryan Newman uh, finds his way into that round of 12. Safe to say he was trying to pass a Gibbs car because they yes. ran up front all night long. <laughs> so the question really now remains, when I looked at the playoffs, I kind of looked at my organization. Gibbs, you're going to assume they're down to three if you take Eric Jones out. Team Penske, the two has been pretty good. The 22 has been a little off. We're not sure about the 12. But Ryan Newman has outrun all of the Hendrick cars pretty consistently. I think Chase Elliott perhaps is the outlier. He, I think, can outrun the six. But when I look at this right here, can William Byron or Alex Bowman go and outrun Ryan Newman at the Roval? I've yet to see uh, uh, anything that I would have to say is a guaranteed yes. The, the thing I will say about it is the Roval is unlike anything else that we go to. Yeah. There, there's no race. You can't say it's like Sonoma. You yeah. can't say it like it's like Watkins Glen. It is a street course that has banking in it once you get up <laughs> on one and two and through three and four. So the, the, the Roval – you can't compare it. You can't look back. You can't even look back at last year because the package is so different. Yeah. And now the chicane's different as well. So it's Ryan Newman. He's a he's solid at everything he does. Road course racing is probably not his specialty. Although we've seen when his cars are right, he can run up front in those too. When it comes to William Byron, Alex Bowman, the road course stuff they've been pretty quick at yeah, this year. Fast. Byron's been really good. So yeah. maybe, but. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm going to keep saying, well, no, yeah, for sure. They have faster cars. They're going to beat what? them. Like, Ryan Newman keeps going out there. And at, to your point, DJ, now credit goes to Roush Fenway because they've actually given him good enough cars that he can take having to wheel his way to 15th. Now he drives inside the top 10, top five. So yeah. I'm, not, I'm not betting him against him. No, you you no. know what Ryan Newman's going to do is force the other ones to beat him. Yep. Yeah. I don't see Ryan Newman going out there and making mistakes, right. right? It might not be it might not be all sunshine and it might be in the top 5, but it's going to be back end of the top 10, front end of the top 20. He's going to force those other drivers to find those 14 points. But guys, coming up on Saturday night's race at Richmond, featured some of the non-playoff drivers mixing it up with those still racing for a championship. Will those tensions continue to rise between groups as the playoffs continue? And we just discussed it. We'll get post-race reaction from title contenders as the playoffs head to its first cart race. Why not? Let's go to the Roval. Should be exciting. 
And we will hear from newly crowned IndyCar champ Joseph Newgarden, who claimed his second title in three years for Team Penske at Laguna Seca. Joseph Newgarden is the 2019 champion. He's done everything he needed to do and comes across the line with a 25-point buffer. Man, it was, it was, <laughs> I was so pissed earlier. I thought we were throwing it away, but, um, you know, we were trying to think of the team there. Obviously, we were trying to divide and conquer, and uh, they just they just did such a great job, this, this group all year long, and I didn't want us to throw it away at the end, um, do something silly, but... Man, they called a great race, and I just I tried to be as smart as I could today. I'm just so proud of everybody. You know, Team Chevy's done a great job. Won the Indy 500, obviously, with Simon, which has been fantastic. And then to win the championships is, I think, as much as you could ask for in the year. So I'm, I'm just so thankful to the team. And um, we just we had such a great group. You know, everybody, not just on the two car, but our entire team is, is amazing at what they do. So uh, thank you to Hitachi. They just signed on for a new multi-year deal. So it's this is big for us, man. we got to try and do more. But... Oh, I'm so happy. I was crying that whole lap, so I'm I'm glad it's over. I'm so glad this is over. Your fiance Ashley's right here. Your mom Tina as well. Oh God, I can sleep now. What a moment for the New Garden family. Yeah, you told me about that. You said it's been a draining year, and at times you took on too much this year. Why was this year so stressful for you? It's just been it's been a lot this year, but. You know, I've had the best people around me just taking care of everything. So I couldn't ask for more than what I have. And, you know, it's just amazing to be able to uh, win races and drive for this team. It's, it's been my dream since I was a kid. So I'm just really thankful, man, for, for everyone that's done everything for me. So in a sport filled with engineering and speed and crunching the numbers, it's wonderful to see the raw emotion of what a championship means to anyone and this time this is the second in a handful of years for joseph newgarden delivering it to team penske i mean you just saw how emotional it was it was a big day a great day but i think you also heard the pressure i mean it was anything but a walk in the park for newgarden yeah and, and that's the biggest thing you say there's raw emotion because joseph newgarden he's so buttoned up he's articulate he he's polished everything that he does i mean he he, does, he would not shock me when he's done racing if he just wants to become an actor. I mean, like that's that charisma that he has on camera. He's so smooth with it. So when you see that raw emotion come out of him, it shows how much the championship means to him. And in a certain way, it—I don't want to say it's shocking, but it's his second championship. Yeah. He won his his first championship, his first year with Team Penske, and it's kind of like one of those things. Sometimes, and, and you know, DJ, it, it's maybe you don't expect it, so it doesn't hit you as hard. Right. And then. To finally win a second one. Last year, he was in contention mm -hmm. to win the championship. So he could easily be three championships in a row on that list. In that list, we see he's only the second American to have multi-championships. So the sky's the limit for him. And with Team Penske, and, and when you drive for Team Penske in anything, but especially in the IndyCar Series, you know how much that means to Roger Penske, to Tim Sendrick. And... He's done everything right for, for basically three years now, and it's, uh, it's pretty amazing to see. I can't wait to see 
what he's going to do for the next 10 years. Yeah. So, DJ, you know, they used to end at Sonoma. This was the first time the final race was at Laguna Seca, and we can crunch the numbers and the math, and as a crew chief, that's what I would be doing. But you heard he literally was crying in the final lap. You heard how mad he was at the beginning where he thought they were throwing the championship away. Sometimes we get too caught up in the numbers. It sounds like it was a nerve-wracking day, even weeks leading up to this. Yeah, even when you know you're in the best position of everybody, if you go do your job, which has happened all year long, if you just go do that, then you're going to win. But you also know from the other side of it how many things can happen. So it becomes so tough when you just have a number that you have to meet. I, I think in my championship year, that was the hardest thing. And I had a couple of races to get it done. But even where I clinched at Homestead, it was so hard knowing – where you had to run instead of going and running and doing your normal things. And so you get caught up, as he was talking about. You know, this has been his lifelong dream, as many of us have had that, uh, that he's able to resist. Now he's done it two out of three years he's won this championship. Just an incredible talent and, and really happy to see him get it done again. Well, as we see Joe Gibbs winning on the cup side, Team Penske dominant, the Indy 500 and the championship. So uh, now the question is, we're going to see the captain at more cup races? I assume we are now that he has all those trophies on the shelf. <laughs> I, would, I assume so. I think, you know, they have like 37 total wins this year between everything that Roger Penske <laughs> owns. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. – what it, it just seems like – and we know every – whatever Roger Penske touches, it seems like it turns to gold. So, wow. uh, yeah, you know. I think Joe Gibbs might have something to say about, about – Winning the cup championship. Yeah. But that's why we're going to watch these next eight hey, races. What a cool track. Laguna Seca, I'm hooked if I ever hey, get I'm, a chance. Yeah, my right. home race. Yeah. That's my home race track there. That's, so. that's it? That's yeah. the standard? That, that was it. Now, how's the corkscrew? It looked awesome. Man, it takes your breath away. So it's uh, it's one of the coolest corners in the world. It's great. And such a great venue to end the season. It was a blast to watch and a blast to see the pressure. But coming up, we're going to preview this Sunday's cut race at the Charlotte Roval. An event that has become an ultimate wild card. We can't forget this finish, last year's race. tweaked a little bit, rules tweaked a little bit. <laughs> what am I going to see on Sunday? Uh, anything and everything, as we saw <laughs> last year. And I think when you put all of those things that you just mentioned together, uh, it just opens the door for a lot of drama. And, you know, it, there wasn't any lack of that last year. And I, I believe that just intensifies because we have a group of drivers that run around each other a lot uh, during these races. And so you never know what's going to happen. But uh, I think that up front, I, I – Expect to see the normal ones. I think Truex is probably the man to beat. Can he sweep this first round? Uh, I think it's very possible. That would be a statement for sure. AJ, you're in the car Saturday. Um, let's talk about the track specifically. You mentioned it's a street course with banking. We're going back to almost the same course. The big difference right here, the backstretch chicane. I want to applaud Marcus Smith. Everybody questioned this track to begin with. They came, they created it, the race was great. But this is a huge undertaking to widen this backstretch chicane. It used to basically have a little left-right within the confines of the back straightaway. You see how much dirt they have moved. 
I think this is going to be a big improvement, but you're the road course expert. What do you think the chicane is going to do to the race? Well, I think definitely on corner entry there off of NASCAR to Charlotte to going into this tight break zone, that gives another opportunity because what would happen last year was you couldn't really make a pass into the chicane unless the guy messed up getting onto the banking and you could get fully side by side. So now this is a break zone. What may it cause? And we see Bubba Wallace here. You know, that was the biggest problem with this. When you got it wrong, the consequences were huge. Eric Jones, same thing in practice. I was actually shocked during the race that everybody, I think we had so many accidents up to that point in practice and testing that everybody just took it a little easier. Mm -hmm. But you couldn't do anything. It was single file. You had to just kind of get your way through. Now with this into the chicane, the brake zone is a real brake zone because before that you would literally just tap the brake downshift and almost throttle back up. But it's almost going to cause more chaos because we're going to see guys get bowled into the corner. And those turtles are still there. So if you get wide, you start bouncing off them. The exit, we could have some carnage as well. And I think it will still have a passing zone off of banking NASCAR four into the last corner. So where for the viewer real yeah. quick, the traffic is coming from the left into the sharper edge and then leaves to the right. That's yeah. the new shape of the chicane. And I think what we're going to have is on new tires, maybe not as much, but as the tires start getting used up, the drive off the corner is still going to be critical. So if you start spinning the tires up, the last corner where we saw Martin Truex Jr. and Jimmy Johnson have that, yes. that contact, yeah, right. yeah. there's still going to be a passing zone as well. So they've done a great job to make the racetrack safer, actually probably create at least another passing zone, and still a place where there's probably going to be a lot of chaos. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so two things from that. Is it wrong of me to say more chaos is going to be fantastic to watch? Oh, Since we're not driving job. anymore. Hey, you're driving one day. Yeah, so that's good. And the other thing that I saw on the exit of that corner, it's like it's a little longer drag strip there. It, you're talking about getting these cars slowed down more, so you're going to have to downshift and then that launch. So it may open up an opportunity to get side-by-side -side in turns three and four on the banking. Yeah. Day. Well, what makes a challenging racetrack even more exciting is challenging to competitors. And we talk a lot about the 16 playoff drivers that have been in the field, but we have seen already this year, whether it was uh, Suarez has been involved, Jimmy Johnson had some quotes about how he was raced, and even Saturday night at Richmond, we had an issue with a playoff and a non-playoff driver. Right now, 24 is P1 for the dog. Pretty much everybody behind you is the next one. They're going to be raking their asses off with a lucky dog spot here. So just do what you can. Alex Bowman on the bottom. Dylan in the middle. William Byron up top. And there's just not enough space for everyone. The 88 goes in. Come his ass back and get to it. Get him back. Get him back. Get him back. Get him back now. Austin Dillon says, listen. You may be in the playoffs, and I'm not, but you're just not going to run me over. He sends the 88 up the racetrack. Oh, shove that silver spoon. He's been fed on his whole life. Up his Good with it. Just do it later when we don't hurt ourselves. We don't need no penalties now. Just got to get her tuned up get going. We ruined our car in a wreck for no reason. I didn't think we needed to do that. All right, lots of layers here. So the first, <laughs> let me say that before I had the audio, I was fine with what Austin Dillon did. I think that that move by Alex Bowman is aggressive in a turn one. I'm okay with it because he needed to have it, but there are repercussions. Yes. And I think the 88 went in there. Now I was a little disappointed after the radio to find out perhaps the owner, Richard Childress, as I believe who we heard, and the crew chief kind of encouraged or actually almost ordered Austin Dillon to, have a, 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 to go back and wreck the 88, and he didn't seem on board with it. 
you're the veteran of the group. I'm going to let you go. What do you see of this? Well, let's go back to what you were talking about. And what Alex Bowman did to start this whole issue is that he was trying to take advantage of a situation. And I think the playoff drivers expect to be given a little bit more courtesy. And that's wrong of them to think that. I appreciate that you've worked hard to get into the playoffs. But in the playoffs in NASCAR, everybody still participates and everybody still has a fair chance. I think most drivers that aren't in do extend a courtesy most of the time. But when you put somebody in a bad position, I think that you might as well get uh, expect to be paid back a little bit, whether it's a total spin or just a bump. Uh, yeah, having to tell your driver to go do that, I, I think it's totally up to the driver in that situation as to how you want to handle that situation. And, and uh, you know, in this case, as we heard that audio, you know, that's a little different than what you'll hear most of the time. But Austin did it, and I didn't have a problem with what he did in the race. Suarez and Logano at Vegas. And then I was shocked. There were some quotes from Jimmy Johnson basically saying he wasn't appreciated how he was raced at Las Vegas by some of the playoff guys. Now, granted, he's never been the guy on the outside. Um, I really think this is a little bit of the effect of the entire season. With this new rules package, it used to be Daytona and Talladega, everybody was mad because nobody helped one another. But now it seems like every mile and a half, it just stokes that fire again and again and again. This is the move between Logano and Suarez. It turns back around and Suarez kind of gets the 22 in the wall right here off turn two. Do you think it is what these guys are expected to do every week? Is that why we're seeing maybe it's even a little more heated than in years past? I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that. I do really think with this package, it puts all these drivers – in situations at most of these racetracks now where you can't really take a breath. I mean, we see on the restarts at all these mile-and-a-half racetracks. Heck, at Darlington, three, four wide down the back straight away. You know, it, it builds up every week. This is the longest season in professional sports. And as drivers, you just get heated. Like, every weekend, like, okay, here we go again. And call it what it is. You, you are where you are in points because you're usually racing that same group of drivers oh, yeah. every weekend. And I've been on both sides of it. I made the playoffs one year, and I spent a couple of years not in the playoffs. And, yes, the playoff drivers, they expect a little bit more courtesy. And you don't want to be the guy. You don't want to be the guy that wrecks the guy so he doesn't make it to the next round or doesn't win the championship. But I always looked at it as they have more to lose than I do. Mm -hmm. We're not in the playoffs. So what does that mean? I'm quite mad. Like, <laughs> Jimmy Johnson? Never been there before. Yeah. Never yeah. not been in the playoffs. So he's upset. Yeah. Every weekend he shows at the racetrack upset not being in the playoffs. Daniel Suarez, he's now with his second organization that has cars that have won, what, 40, 50 races over the course of five years, if you count Joe Gibbs and Stuart Haas racing combined. He's not in the playoffs. So he's frustrated. He hasn't gotten a win yet. Austin Dillon, RCR, they're just having a poor year. So all these drivers that aren't in the playoffs – they're upset, so sure, they might give a little courtesy, but all it takes is just a little yeah. nudge, and then it just sets you off. Yeah. And you got to remember that. You have more to lose than they do, so how much of a risk are you willing to take? Well, I bring this up because non-playoff drivers, chaos, and the Roval, let's go back a year. TJ, we <laughs> couldn't have built this last lap if we had <laughs> no. tried. No. And it really happens on a late restart. When you go back to the Roval, they go down to turn one and they wreck all kinds of race cars, including Kyle Larson, which is one of the playoff drivers trying to make the playoffs. Yep. And then you go out on this last lap and he limps this car around the racetrack. I mean, this is coming into the last corner. First of all, the leaders wreck. So this changes who's going to win the race completely. Ryan Blaney sneaks through. This is just the start of this crazy finish. Yeah. All the way at the back, Jeffrey Earnhardt gets spun out. Can't get his car refired. Right here, you see Daniel Hemrick spin the 96. 
into the wall. This isn't a video game, folks. This is <laughs> Kyle Larson, who was involved in that restart wreck I mentioned. He's driving this thing around like a video game, in the gas, into the wall. Jeffrey Earnhardt couldn't get his game refired. So listen, Jeffrey Earnhardt's not in the playoffs. Yeah. This is how every car on the racetrack matters, and that's why I think we bring this up, because you mentioned those little nudges. Yeah. yeah. That's going to happen all the time at that Roval. That slow intersect, that slow infield section, there are going to be some frustrated guys. And we keep seeing, we keep looking at the points. There are so many drivers grouped up from, from basically ninth. Oh. Take out Eric Jones having to win the race, but obviously yeah. he's going to be doing everything he has to to try to win it. But you take from ninth on back, a couple of stage points here and there, they could yeah. shift everything. So everybody in that group, I think Kyle Larson, I'm not going to say he's fully safe, but 25 up. He's safe until he misses out in the first stage. That's true. If he rings That's a zero right. in the first stage That's and Ryan true. Newman, those, yeah. So yeah. He, he, he's not fully safe. So you can even put Kyle Larson in that group. Mm -hmm. But that's nine drivers that are going for – four or five spots, and it's just going to be everybody on edge. Restarts at the Roval we have seen are chaotic. Strategy with tires, because it does wear tires out there. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be insane. Drivers are frustrated. You're going to run into somebody at the Roval. I don't care where you're running. There is well, going to be contact. So that's the, so as a crew chief, I'm coaching my driver up. I'm saying, DJ, listen, I know you want to run good. I know you want but – but we call them turtles. There's these big metal things inside. This car won't make it. Yeah. If you hit them all day long, don't come back to me yeah. and said this thing broke. This is one of the few tracks that still exist, much like Watkins Glen, where the drivers can break a race car. Not to mention running into another race car. So I'm going to ask my driver to do a lot. Manage the emotion and the racetrack. Yeah, and I think you brought up a great point a while ago how the package this year it used to be you had Daytona, then you had a couple of months before you went to Talladega, then you had a couple of months before you went back to Daytona, and then a couple more months before you were back at Talladega. So you had time to calm down from these ultra-competitive races where all of this builds up inside of you, and you're kind of mad at everyone unless you happen to win the race. And so, But now they face this on a weekly basis, and we can see things like that happen. Oh. Just a nudge can turn in. You know, It can set somebody off where that used to not matter. Now there's so much on edge that just that nudge sends you over the edge. It's a street course, meaning the walls are right there. So if you're yeah. mad at that guy, you don't have to hit him hard. It's just a, you're done. Thank I'm you. fired up. Let's yep. roll this thing off tomorrow. <laughs> I'm ready. Well, coming up, our grassroots racing tour heads to the land of famous potatoes and short track excitement. We're heading to Idaho next. Have you ever wondered if you're a better football coach or car owner? <laughs> well, let me say this. Over here, I don't do anything. So, <laughs> I think in football, at least I can scream at people and everything. These, these guys scream at me. This sport is so much like football. People walk around the corner and they go, you're not going to believe this. And I said, yes, I will. I've already been through this once. People love to see cars raced the competitive part of it and all the fun things that happen. I'm just thrilled to be a part of it and our, our family loves being a part of it. Well, DJ, did you yell at him or did he yell at you? No, I never yelled at Coach, no. No? no. I, I always listened, yes. So I, was, I guess I was kind of like one of his football players that he could yell at when he needed to. I he gets his point across really well. I, I bet he does. I would, I would want no part of it. <laughs> well, guys, you can check out Drivers and Dreams Grassroot Racing in America this Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern right here on NBCSN. It is a great, great program we've been putting together. Really, 
Now, this whole year has been about grassroots racing, your local short track. I love it. I think we all were raised. I mean, not all of us have Laguna Seca as our home track. No, all of us go right. to different places. <laughs> a little different. So, uh, I, mean, I think it's going to be great. Short track racing is really where it starts. Yeah, and that's what it's all about is, is bringing that grassroots knowledge to, to maybe a general fan base that's not full hardcore into racing. Yeah, and I think we've had over 200 tracks to participate now with the placard and everything and sending in photos. So it's just been great. We have 48 states. One of them's not racing. I think it's Hawaii. I don't think Rhode Island has a track. Nebraska yeah. was a little slow. We Rick were picking on Rick Allen, but Rick got him. Got Rick him. reached out and yeah. we got Nebraska. Well, today our grassroots tour of 50 states brings us to Meridian Speedway in Idaho. This quarter mile gem has been hosting great short track action since 1951. One of the track's signature events is the Diamond Cup. Kyle Alberting claimed the title this year, beating his dad, Andy. His old dad. Wow, he's his old right. daddy by one point. Right. That's cold, but I'll take it. <laughs> Meridian Speedway lies within the shadow of the city's iconic water tower. In fact, the trophy is a replica of the landmark. I'd be a cool trophy to have on the shelf, no doubt. And Meridian has some NASCAR roots from West Coast legend Ray Elder to rising star Haley Deegan. Meridian, guys, actually was the site of Haley Deegan's first NASCAR win one year ago. With this Saturday, the Can-Am Pro Series West returns to Idaho, where Deegan looks to repeat and gain ground on the points leader, Derek Krause. I like that move. Up the racetrack, you go. afraid you just have to move somebody. No, you got to, you gotta race at least little tracks like this. You got to make it happen, right? Yeah. I like it. All right. Well. Heading into Sunday's race at the Roble, which playoff drivers are about to have their bubbles burst? We're going to break it down and have the conversation. Who's going to be upset on Sunday? I felt like we brought a spoon to a sword fight tonight. Boy, we just missed it to start this thing. Just couldn't recover. We just kept, kept getting laughed. to struggle with the car all day. So you're back there racing all you can to stay on the lead lap and, and you're in the playoffs you know it's like what am I doing you got to give yourself a fighting chance uh, you know I knew I could count on Richmond to, to be a good run for us just uh, fighting hard um, but uh, we'll come back swinging again yeah I was uh, surprised it was a better run than I thought we'd have 19 had a just a really good long run car um, you know we just were kind of third best there uh, yeah, that's kind of where we ended up happy with maximizing the, the day that our car was capable of I don't think we were as good as him all night long um, Martin are the combination thereof, us combination of just um, lacked a little bit. You know, it's like the 11 lacked a little bit more than us. You know, just weird. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we just weren't quite as fast as the uh, the Gibbs cars. You know, the, the Gibbs cars were they could turn the center, they could get in the corner, and they could put the power down, and, and they would just yard us off the corners. When the sun comes up tomorrow, tonight doesn't matter anymore. We can't go back and fix tonight. Uh, tonight's over, so uh, we got to focus on the Roval and uh, go there and, and have a good weekend. Move on from here and go to the Roval, and I think we can have a good shot there to, uh, to have a good result and hopefully compete for a top five or something like that would be nice. Just got to get stage points and have a good day all day. If we don't make the next round, we don't really deserve to be there with uh, the way we're running right now. So it's uh, it's definitely a bummer, but um, we got to get our, our stuff together. Well, at Roval, you just don't know what's going to happen next week. So uh, 50 points makes you feel semi-comfortable to where you can uh, you have a, just a, a decent day and, and be more aggressive, I think, and, and try to go for a win like that. You want to go in there and, and try to win a race. So you want to try to win stages, and we'll allow Rodney to be aggressive. We can go out there, and we can attack it and uh, try to get the most we can get, try to get a win, try to get some stage points, get ourselves um, you know, a bit of a cushion here, I guess, more than over the rest of the guys. I guess there's a little silver lining that we're still above the cut line. You're eight points to the good. You've won at the place we're going to. Does it give you a lot of confidence when you don't have that great points position? 
Um, it's better than eight points out, I guess. 55 points now above the cut line. How much assurance does that give you headed to the Roval? I'm pretty, pretty sure we're making strides. Um, you know, albeit late in the season, but um, you know, I think we're definitely making some gains, and we'll just keep working on it. We'll be just fine. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. All right, one race left in the round of 16. We've been to a mile and a half. We've been to a short track. Let's head to the Roval. What could possibly happen? So you get heard. Three drivers in yellow there in. I like Brad at 55, Denny at 54, even Logano at 50. The right-hand side of this screen, though, is going to be pressure-packed and pressure-filled. Let's start, DJ. We'll talk with Boyer, the last guy we heard from, currently below. What yeah. do you think about Clinton Boyer in the Roval? Well, he's a good road racer, first and foremost. I think that helps him. And so I always look at trends and what might could happen. So he had a, he had a bad race, then he had a good race. And then he got not so good. I, I, he called Richmond okay because they got some stage points and it turned out to be an okay night. I really believe Boyer finds a way to get it done. Somehow, some way, he's going to run inside the top ten. I think when it comes to Boyer, it's the relationship between him and his crew chief, Mike Bugaravich. They're going to have to spend some time together this week, try to get on the same page. More than anything, just sticking with each other and believing with one another because you're not going to have an entire race there without an issue of some sort. And the recovery from that issue will be the determining factor whether they're in or out. So let's stick with the Bs. That was Boyer. How about William Byron? Bought a points at Sonoma. Showed some highlights at the road courses. Yeah, he's definitely been quick at the at the road courses. And he, him and Chad Knauss, they're just they're flying under the radar. I thought they'd be a little bit better at Richmond, but looking at obviously all of Team Hendrick, yeah. they they struggled. So it wasn't just them by themselves. And I've been really surprised about how good he has been when it comes to outright speed on the road courses. So can he go out there and do it? I think that this team can because that's what they've done all year. They've just went out there, made sure they've got the result that they need to, and they keep moving forward. I know Richmond wasn't anywhere close to having that little bit of a gap that they helped going into the Roval, but just knowing how solid that William Byron has been, how calm he always seems, Chad Knauss with that leadership, he can go there. I don't think wins the race, but goes there and does enough to make sure he moves to the next Here's round. The only thing, he's got to be careful. The last two weeks, he found himself in bad spots. Not of his making necessarily, but as a driver, you're you know you're accountable for where you are on the track. But you know he's had some tire rubs and things like that. Stay out of those spots yeah. as much as he can, and he may be okay. Yeah, unfortunately, the points don't care if you cause it or someone else. That's right. They're going to take yeah. them away. I agree. I think it's going to be leadership on top of the pit box that's going to determine it for yeah. Chad. And now it's going to have to find a way to get some points. All right, here's my wild card. If you could put one, 14 points below, I have him moving through. Kurt Busch. Wow. I think he's a veteran. He's a champion. He has found a way to improve every organization he's gone to, it seems. He did finally break through and get that win for Chip Ganassi Racing. I look for Kurt Busch to come out and just have what I call a solid day and come back from this issue at Vegas. I look for Kurt Busch to move forward, top 10 in both stages and the end of the race. But that means someone has to go out. So my guy going out, unfortunately, is Eric Amarola. He's three above. I don't see the 10 car moving forward. Yeah, I think I – think Almarola struggles here and and might and probably ends up on the outside of this 12. It's going to be a real shame if Kirk Busch doesn't get in because he's had such a, a solid regular season, but he's had two terrible finishes now. I mean, I expected more from him at Richmond. Uh, I really expected him to run inside the top 10 all night and gather a lot of points. Never was even close to that. So he's going to have to have his best performance.
I love Blaney's attitude. Eight above is better than eight below. <laughs> true. What do you hey, make of Ryan? I mean, that's a pretty good math. What do you think? I think he's going to be really solid after all. I mean, he won the race last year, and yeah, he won the race because of what happened in the last corner. But you still got to put yourself in that position yeah. to go win the race. At Watkins Glen, he was really strong. At Sonoma, he was strong. He definitely hasn't had the pace. This whole 12 group hasn't had the pace as his teammates, especially Brad Keselowski, over the last few weeks. But this is a racetrack where Ryan Blaney is strong. Uh, there's not a lot of background to notes when it comes to this racetrack, so he has one of the best sets of notes out of everybody, and he just knows how to get the job done when it's time, and I think Ryan Blaney, with confidence, yeah. moves to the next round. Regardless of who's in or who's out, the race is going to be a must-watch <laughs> without a doubt. But this week on NASCAR America, Dale Jr. is joined by his long-time friend, his former boss, my former boss, Hall of Famer Rick Hendrick. He joins the download tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern. Then on Wednesday, Motor Mouse Ricky Stenhouse Jr. answers your question. Maybe one of you will ask why he ran into Martin Trex Jr. And up next, it's time for shout-outs. I got a question for you. Yeah. I heard you're wearing shorts today. <laughs> Somebody said they, had, they sent a picture of me in shorts. My leg, my legs are stovepipes. Okay, I never got hurt in any sport because you can't hurt stovepipes. Okay, and I look absolutely awful, so I might have to find that someplace. Who ever got that picture? Oh, it's time for shoutouts. There's old coach, and it was a big weekend for Coach Gibbs. Uh, it, I mean, a great weekend for Coach Gibbs. It really started on uh, Friday night. My shout-out, Christopher Bell. Dominates, just dominates the Xfinity yeah. Series race. No other way to put it about it, but this was the way, the coolest part. Takes a checkered flag and searched, looked up and down, found this kid right here, and of course he had a Christopher Bell shirt on. Yeah. A-plus, but my shout-out, Christopher Bell giving away the flag. That's a great move. Okay, well, we'll stick with Joe Gibbs having a great weekend when his grandson uh, goes to New Hampshire and wins the K&N race. So this is Ty Gibbs winning that. So just continue to ride on. Uh, Coach had he won everything. He was in victory lane everywhere. Damn, he did win everywhere. Yeah, it's sticking with New Hampshire. We're first going to go to the NASCAR Penny Series, the Canadian Series. You got a huge wreck here, but Andrew Ranger crossed the finish line. He don't care because no, he wins good. the race, takes over the points lead. I used to race against him in Champ Car, and in the Musket 250, Bobby Santos wins coming to the line here, the longest and richest race that the Modifieds have. That's awesome. Always good racing. Show up there. Always good racing. Yeah. All right, I'm going to add one to the list. This is the one. I'm going to shout out Sherry Pollock. I just spoke to her. We did a LaTarte on Location podcast. Um, what she's done with her battle with cancer. She's a spokesman for the ovarian cancer. Um, I didn't know teal was the color. Shame on me. Right? I knew pink for breast cancer. Didn't know about teal. Teal and gold because it's not just ovarian cancer month, but it's children's pediatric cancer month. Martin Truex Jr. Foundation does a lot for both. So uh, big weekend. I'm going to shout her out. She's doing a great job for great cause. Yeah, sure. good shout out yes. there, no doubt. She's been through a lot, but uh, just keeps battling with that. It's great to see her around the track. It's great. It's great. So, guys, Roval, uh, let me hear it. Prediction, who wins? Well, I'm worried about me. I'm going to go try to win on oh, Saturday. Saturday. That's Saturday. true for a college yeah. racing in the 10 car. But, uh, man, I'm going to go Martin Truex Jr. sweet. Way out in the limb. Yeah. DJ? Yeah. Two Martin Truexes? Yes. All right, I'm going to take a long shot. Jimmy Johnson, revenge from last Whoa, year. Yeah. Got right. racked this I'm year, victory that. lane. How good would that be?
This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.